Forget about this one. Drive home safely. One nothing walk off. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to find Banks. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The Mariners are going to fight for the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My, oh, my. It's another edition of the walk-off. Holden Kushner alongside the ace of Spader, Ryan Spader. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Holden Radio, at the ace of Spader. S-P-A-E-D-E-R, Rachel Luba, MLB player agent. She represents Trevor Bauer. She does a show with Jessica Kleinschmidt as well. Thank you very much for hopping on the program. I appreciate it, and I think it was a great idea by um, by Spader to get you on, so try not to change my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So here is... My question, you both go to UCLA, but how do you and Trevor meet and how does it evolve into you representing him? Yeah, so I did gymnastics at UCLA. Um, I was a freshman um, in during his final year at UCLA when he was playing baseball. Um, we, I was uh, good friends just with a lot of the baseball players because we lived um, a lot of the freshman baseball players lived on the same floor as me at UCLA. Um, and I ended up having a class with Trevor um, in school and we became good friends um, and then just kept in touch obviously over the years. And um, you know, after my time um, working as an attorney at the MLBPA, uh, I kind of had been thinking for, you know, several years about, you know, starting an agency and doing it differently and, you know, charging, um, using a different fee structure. And I think just over, over the years of talking to Trevor about it, and, you know, he's very, he's very intelligent and very um, forward thinking and progressive and likes to, you know, find more efficient ways of doing things. And so the more I kind of explain this to him and, um, you know, explain the value add that I think, you know, it can really create for players, um, he was just fully bought in and realized he wanted different kind of representation um, and just more services altogether. So it's kind of, kind of how it ended up to be. So, Rachel, I think you have a really uh, unique position in that you are not kind of lurking in the shadows. You, you're doing, like we said beforehand, you're doing a show with Jess Kleinfeld, and um, uh, you know you're kind of you're kind of out there. You're doing a show with us right now. This is not something typically you get from agents, I guess. And um, I'm curious, do you think that that's something that'll hurt you or or help you potentially? Because that's the way a lot of players are nowadays. Yeah, it's, um, it's very different. Um, and I think, you know, let's be frank, like the only agent you ever really hear from is Scott Boris. Um, Scott Boris, you know, for whatever reason, like gets to speak on behalf of almost all agents, it seems like. Um, and you never, you never really hear from anybody else. Um, and that was kind of the same, as you mentioned, you know, over the years, that was the culture of baseball for players as well. Um, I think we're starting to see a change, though, and we're seeing it, you know, with players. Obviously, my client, you know, Trevor Bauer is 
um, kind of one of the main players probably leading that whole movement of, you know, basically trying to change the culture where players use their voices and players create brands for themselves. And I think it's important. Um, And, you know, I figured it only made sense to kind of practice what I preach. Uh, You know, if, if I'm preaching how important it is to build a brand and to use your voice and use your platform, I think I would be kind of silly not to do the same on my end and, you know, with my brand and my agency and just as an agent, because there really aren't any resources for both fans, you know, players themselves and, you know, aspiring agents or, you know, baseball professionals. There, there's really no information out there for, for people in terms of a lot of the baseball business side of things. And so, you know, providing that, I think is a valuable, a valuable resource. I definitely think it's something that's going to help you in the end. And uh, you mentioned, you know, many other agents are just kind of in the background other than Boris. One other one that I speak to is Rafa Nieves, who represents a lot of the, yeah, um, yeah as you know, a lot of the guys from the Dominican. Um, I actually helped him out one time with an arbitration case for one of his players. And I know you worked arbitration for a long time, so obviously you know that that's I mean, it's just a monster when you have the team that supposedly wants you telling you why you're not worth what you're asking for. And I'm really curious about your experiences uh, in working in arbitration. Yeah, um, it's one of my it's one of my favorite parts about baseball. Um, it's which is super nerdy, I get, but uh, it's like I, I think just from like the lawyer side in me too. It's such a puzzle, and it's you know you're trying to take. Um, you know, usually the cases tend to be cases that aren't straightforward. They're not, uh, you know, it might be, you know, I we did a case where, you know, a player won rookie of the year his first year and then just kind of, you know, steadily declined by the time he gets to his, you know, platform season, his first year in arbitration. And so, you know, how do you fit him into the, you know, salary structure? And so it, it allows me an opportunity to really, you know, use my brain, um, you know, create, find, you know, unique ways to piece together and create a story that's compelling to a panel, um, you know, to make a case that, you know, this player deserves this amount of money. Um, so to me, just personally, like working on it, it's my, it's my favorite part of the off season. Um, it's, I've, I think I've done more, I have done more cases because of my time at the union and, you know, the one year when I was there, we had a record number of 22 cases that went to hearing. Um, So other than the expert agent advisors, which are, there are about three of them that agents will hire. um, They're kind of recommended by the union and agents will hire them to help them with their arbitration cases. So aside from them, just speaking strictly, you know, regarding agents i've been in more arbitration cases than any other agent out there the second closest would be boris with like 12 i believe now uh he's been in but i've been in i think 28 hearings now um and just seeing how how they all go down is um it's fascinating um i've seen some really nasty ugly cases um and you know, I've seen plenty that are, 
you know, it's business. Um, they make their case, you make your case, and, um, you know, they really don't say anything that hurtful on the other side, and it's nothing the player doesn't know. The player, the player knows his stuff. He knows the kind of season he had. Um, it's, not, it's not a shock to him by any means, and, you know, it is what it is. But I've seen some, some bad ones, too. So, Rachel, um, I saw online you and Jessica Kleinschmidt. If you don't know Jessica, I don't know her. I know of her, of course. She's also big into baseball. You're you're into it from an agent's perspective. Although, just real quick before I ask you the other question, like how much do you follow baseball on a daily basis? Are you just completely engulfed in it? Uh, yeah, it's usually it's now become kind of a thing where I know nothing about usually politics or anything else going on. Um, my family will talk to me about stuff and I'm just, it's like, I'm so removed from that, but yeah, okay. I live and breathe baseball now. That's so awesome that you don't pay attention to anything else. I wish I could be that, that way, but you and Jessica <laughs> were that. drinking. Yeah. Every time you said a certain word, you had to take a drink of wine and how yeah. hammered did you get that night? Oh yeah. Uh, like the first few times, the first few episodes, because we do it every episode where we pick a different hashtag wine oh. word. Um, and so we change up, you know, the word um, each episode. And the first, I think it was like the first two we recorded. Um, like I realized at the end, like we cannot, we need to pick, you know, less frequently said words because by, you know, midway through the episode like I'm hammered and there's no way that anything I'm saying is going to be interesting to <laughs> listeners or anything so yeah that I quickly learned that I mean I've known all along like I'm I'm a lightweight so <laughs> I told Jess like we're gonna start picking you know like less popular words yeah I'm pretty sure you're less of a lightweight than I am because what how many how many sips did I have of a beer spader before I was oh, messed gosh. up I, like I got not I, even a quarter of a I beer. convinced I convinced Holden to have a beer with me for my birthday one year because when we did the show two years ago, we always I always had a couple of beers during and we recorded. <laughs> he he drank half a Sapporo and was off his ass. Yeah. Really? That's oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever met I mean, but I can usually go through by half a glass of wine, like I feel it for sure. I, I'd be wasted at a like if I came on and you did that, <laughs> I wouldn't last. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. I've gotten high before shows before, and we're just hanging out. We're talking. I don't think Spader can even tell. Just to relax and everything like that. The alcohol right. has always made – I am I almost feel like I'm allergic to it because it just makes me want to go to sleep. But everybody's got yeah. their own thing. Hey, let me ask you this then since we're on this. Spader and I did a whole episode on Major League Baseball and marijuana, and mm-hmm. I just – is there any penalty, or did they just stop testing for it? Like, do they test for that still? So if you are on the 40-man roster, you are not tested for marijuana. Um, They recently, I believe it was in this past year that they stopped. I want to, I I would have to double check. I'm pretty sure, though, it was in this this past year that they changed the rule so that minor leaguers as well um, will not be tested anymore for it. Um, But, yeah, that used to be the big thing was that, you know, players wanted to get on the 40 man. I mean, for obviously the obvious reasons, but also you had the, <laughs> you know, added bonus and benefit of you can smoke weed now. 
Like, what's the bigger celebration, making the 40 know, man right? or now being yeah. able to take bong hits? All right, I'm done with that, Spader. You can just get back to normalcy now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. It, they did away with it for the minor league guys, too. And uh, I've, spoken, I've spoken to a couple guys who are, like, so relieved because they bounce between the 40 man and off it. And uh-huh. <laughs> all of a sudden they're getting tested. It's just <laughs> awful. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, it's wild. Rachel, uh, I I know you got your JD from uh, I don't know if I'm gonna say this right Pepperdine, right? I I, I messed up names. <laughs> Pepperdine, Pepperdine. With my boy <laughs> Ned Coletti, right? Yeah. Did he I, teach I'm, you? Yeah. yeah. He did. What? Did Ned yeah, Coletti he, ever yeah. teach you? Oh my god. Uh, no, he didn't teach. He didn't teach me. He came in and spoke though once, but he does teach now. I think there, or yeah, he does he like does. adjunct. Yeah. He loves it. He thinks that's like yeah. the best job he's ever had. It's amazing. Well, it's a beautiful campus, you know, Just hang out by the beach all day. Well, since Holden stole my question about whether or not you ever met Coletti, because <laughs> he's a mutual friend of ours and we've done shows with him. Um, I'm going to uh, shift to a topic that he wanted to cover, and that's um, Yazo Puig. What, um, I do bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that he... Um, Played with uh, your guy last year in travel, Trevor, and um, he just kind of seems like the type of guy that would hire you. And I was just kind of like waiting for him to do so because he wa- didn't have a team or anything. I kind of, I kind of saw him as like sort of your next guy. But um, do you? I don't know if you want to uh, let this out there or anything. But do you have any prospects of picking up some some new people for uh, Luba LC? Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I'm actively, you know, looking and, um, finding out, you know, figuring out which guys are, you know, my target, target clients. Um, obviously with my different model, it makes for, I I don't really go after minor leaguers or anything like that just because it doesn't make sense for them financially. Um, and the, you know, what I can offer usually is a lot more valuable to guys signing contracts currently. Um, but yeah, look, uh, Yafiel's great. That's funny you brought him up. Um, Trevor, actually, they didn't play together last year, but they were, they were a part of the trade together. Oh, so, nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, um, I, there was, everyone was joking about how Trevor's last, pitch for the Indians was throwing the ball over the center field, you know, wall um, in Kansas City. And Yasiel's last hit for the Reds was throwing a punch at one of the was it the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. yeah. So that was like that whole night when that fight started, um, that was the whole trade. Um, so they swapped places. Um, but he's a character and um, you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of great things about him. I uh, would love would love to represent Yasiel Puig someday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love. I'm big on any you know players that are you know are fun or vocal. Um, you know, big on their brands, social media. So you know, any any players like that are definitely definitely prospects of mine. All right. So you, your job, I, I've had plenty of agents. Actually, my first agent was a female, 
So let's go here because I got ripped for having a female agent. So I know she was here and shit. How has it been? And this was, gosh, this was 2003. So it was a long time ago. But have you encountered any of that garbage? Yeah. I mean, all the time. time. Um, Yeah. And from the beginning, from uh, let me tell you, the day, the first conversation I ever had with an agent um, when I was at UCLA, and this was when I kind of made up my mind, like, I want to be a baseball agent. And, you know, what is one of the first things they always recommend you do, like, go talk to people who work in that industry and who do what you want to do and, you know, pick their brain. And so I did that. And the first conversation I had was basically with something like this, like sat down in his office, he kicked his feet up on his desk, leaned back in his chair. He was like, listen, sounds like you, you know, kind of have made up your mind and like, you know what you want to do. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I was like, okay. He's like, you're a girl. And then just like stared at me. And I was like, yeah, I'm well aware. Thanks. Um, And he's like, well, what I'm saying is, like, you're not really welcome in the industry. What? Okay. He said that yeah. to you? And you yeah, never and so, really I, brought it up? Were you just, you just wanted to let it go? You didn't want to bring it up? I mean, God, that's just, that's I, like a horrible, that, what a horrible thing to say to you. Well, I was just like, I came in here kind of for advice, you know, like, and, and what, what next steps? You know, like I told you, look, this is my dream. This is what I think I really want to do. Would love to kind of, you know, pick your brain about it. And it was, he didn't really go into that. But uh, he just, you know, that that was kind of where he left it. And I was like, okay, so that's it. And he's like, well, but you know what? To his, like, credit, though, he gave me, and I'm sure I would get this advice from many other people that I spoke to after that. But he gave me, you know, some of the most important advice that I took, which was, if you want credibility, go to law school and get a law degree. He was like, because that's your only chance because you're a female. And whether like that is right or wrong, I mean, first of all, I do believe it is is right in a lot of ways. That's the reality. Whether it should be like that, that's a topic for another, you know, discussion. But but it is the reality. And like, you know, as shitty sometimes as it was that I had to go get a law degree just to have credibility. Um, I think it was super valuable and I, I do think it's paid off in a way, you know? So yeah. Yeah. But I, think I, doing, I get shit all the time. Yeah. That's see now I just want to thank you for that. Now I was one of those assholes about six or seven years ago. I had a daughter and I completely changed my life and I'm a feminist. Just it's nuts. Um, so I want to thank you for breaking down these walls because they must be taken down in order for her to have a chance to do what she wants to do without having to go through the garbage you're having to go through. So I guess yeah, it's a thank I mean, you more than anything else. I appreciate it. Thanks for her sake, because it's not an easy thing you're doing. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and I hope, <laughs> you know, she I, I hope I've you know made it a little easier for her or for, you know, other other future girls that are you know looking to pursue a a career in sports it, it's not easy you kind of have to you can't be jaded or I guess you can't be naive to the reality at least right now that you're going to get comments um you know about everything about your gender about your motivations for it all sorts of stuff um you know and as long as I think in the beginning you just remember that you kind of have to be overqualified like you have to be better than everybody else just to have a seat at the table um but you know, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing either. Um, so as long as you're willing to accept that and to put in the work to get yourself there, you know, I don't think it's 
I think, I think it's doable. And obviously, I mean, I'm doing it and, you know, you have to be willing to put up with the, the shit and be able to kind of ignore it because I spend most of my days, you know, putting on, I'll be honest, like a front and acting tough and like things don't bother me but I'd be lying if I said that there aren't times you know at the end of the day when all is kind of said and done and I'm winding down and just thinking about life and work like things get to me you know I'm a girl like I can be emotional and like things bother me sometimes but like you you can't you can't let that show well Rachel I think you know um I think you're doing a great job for what it's for what my useless opinion is worth but um, no, I appreciate to, that. No, it's useless. Don't appreciate it. It really is useless. <laughs> uh, to um, take off the uh, agent and the branding hat for a second um, and just go to the baseball fan in you. We're looking at a 60 game season, something we've never seen before. Well, something we haven't seen since 1878. And I know Holden was the only one of us that was around for that. But um, what year was that? 1878. <laughs> No, I wasn't born till like the turn of the century. I called, called you a dinosaur. Yeah. I am. But um, like, all right. What, what do you what do you make of what's going to happen here? Because my my school of thought, I think it's just going to be a complete shit show. We're going to see some ridiculous, you know, slash lines. Some people taking award home awards that would have never stood a chance to do so, and uh, teams making the postseason that would never have lasted over 162 games. I'm just curious what you think of the season. I mean, absolutely. It's going to be, but the, the thing is, and I think we have to remember is there's always going to be that asterisk by this season and, and, and the, those awards. Um, and some will go to the players that would have won them probably, you know, at the end of the se- at a normal length season, but yeah, you'll see things because th- that's kind of, that's half the, the difficulty of the sport is that the season is so long and, you know, you can't be good for two months and, you know, be on top. Like you have to have that durability to go 162 games. So we're going to see things that we've never really seen, or at least not in, you know, probably like over a hundred years. But I think, and I guess this is the Asian in me coming in. I'm more fascinated with how it's going to affect, you know, things like arbitration where you get, huge bumps in the salary structure based on awards you've won and how do you treat guys who technically you know might they might win MVP but you know if that was a full season they never would have even come close so you know I think it's going to be interesting I think in terms of um, you know team standings I'm my thought is that the teams with the best pitching are going to have the biggest advantages because you know, it takes, even in a, in a traditional normal season, it, it takes guys, usually the hitters, a month or so to start seeing enough pitches to kind of really get in the groove, get hot, um, and then they kind of ride from there. Um, you're not going to have that time and that luxury to, to wait. So, you know, the hitters will take a little bit to get going, but that's going to result in the teams, I think, with the best pitching who are going to have the biggest advantages because if you can, you know, shut the other teams out, then I think, you know, you're going to be the favorites this season. Whereas like the lack of offense, I don't think is going to make teams as vulnerable as it normally would have. You bring up a a great point with the 
how it's going to affect the future arbitration cases. And I, I'm most fascinated about the guys who will end up opting out uh, for reasons that can't really be held against them. And then how, in a way, in the future, this can be held against them. But I know I'm taking up a lot of your time. Uh, so I want to just touch on this last thing. And I don't know how much you're going to be able to say on it. Uh, I don't want to back you into a corner, but um, <laughs> Trevor has been one of the most outspoken people regarding the Astros cheating scandal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been fairly outspoken about the fact that I'm, uh, I have fairly uh, reliable information that about eight or, other, eight or nine other teams are doing so. They just weren't stupid enough to bang on fucking trash cans yeah. to get caught. And um, it, it seems like it's, uh, Bauer plays the game straight up, plays it clean, and he doesn't uh, tolerate any of that stuff. But um, do you personally have any thoughts on, um, first, the Astros, and second, the other teams that are kind of just getting by? Because all these Astros um, players and stuff, none of them, I, I believe the reason none of them were suspended was because when you take, if you're taking away their meal ticket, then they're going to be the next Mike Fires and they're going to start talking and they're going to start pointing fingers and then the whole thing's going to blow up in Manfred's face. So I, I'm just curious what you think about the thing in general. Yeah, you know, I think my feelings towards why players kind of they were able to walk away scot-free was, you know, I do think, and Trevor actually sat down with Manfred and had a whole talk with him about this during spring training. Um, believe it or not, like they had a civil conversation despite what may go on in, on Twitter. Um, but they talked for a couple of hours about everything. And, um, you know, and he explained it. Manfred explained to Trevor that the reason that, that they gave them immunity was because there really wasn't going to be a way to get enough evidence and to get players to come forward on that team to be able to investigate enough and, you know, make, have a whole investigation that is thorough and, you know, gets to the bottom of it. So I understand, uh, you know, from, from that aspect of it. However, I also just think, I mean, one, you have a lot of upset players on other, you know, every other team. Um, You know, not only did you take away potentially an, uh, you know, world series ring from other teams by cheating. But I think sometimes we overlook the fact that there were players that lost their jobs that never ever had a chance again at the big leagues because they were, they ran out there in, you know, Houston um, had a a bad start. They just got shelled and then they were sent back down and never made it back up. And you know, that's like, that's hard to live with. That's hard to swallow. Like that's a hard pill to swallow when you know, these guys cheated Um, that, you know, and it's, but you can't, you can't fix it at this point. Um, But, you know, I think it's tough because you put, you have players, obviously this, I agree with you. I think it's not, it's happening with other teams, not just the Astros, but I think it just goes to a, a wider kind of league problem and this goes to the pine tar you know usage as well is that we have these certain rules but they are not regu- they're not enforced necessarily and so everyone kind of does it and you have but you have probably you know I don't know what the percentage is maybe it's like 20% of players who and maybe I'm underestimating that maybe there are more but 
that refuse to cheat. Like Trevor would be one of them, right? He does not like these are his morals, his values, and he won't do it. But he realizes by like le- by not using pine tar, like I'm at a massive disadvantage. And when a majority of the league uses it and, you know, is cheating, quote unquote, then what do you do? Like you're asking people to make a choice over do what is technically right or do what everybody else is doing. And you're technically cheating, but also it's not enforced. And so for a long time, I think a lot of this kind of stuff was, you know, no one was looking into it. And so everyone was kind of doing it. But you're also putting people in an uncomfortable position on certain teams that they don't want to partake in it. And, you know, what do they do? Um, Do they go against their team? They speak out against their team? Do they, you know, I guess, decide, you know, just to go along with it and feel peer pressured into it? Uh, You know, it's, it's it's a difficult thing, but it's something I think baseball's had a problem with for a while. You make a great point in saying that, you know, it's potentially a league-wide problem. And I think there's been several league-wide problems throughout baseball history. And I just immediately go back to like the 80s with the cocaine and the 90s with the steroids. And then fast forward to um, last year with the ball and now the following, or excuse me, then before that you had the Astros. And it just seems that Major League Baseball always scapegoats something. In the 80s, it was the 85 <laughs> Pittsburgh drug trials. And then the 90s, they scapegoated players, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Sammy yeah. Sosa. Then they scapegoated the baseball with the juice ball era. And then the, now I believe the Astros were scapegoated as well. I just think so many other teams were involved in all of this. I just don't think they were dumb enough to bang on trash cans and potentially were quote unquote cheating more by using more efficient methods. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of a shame too. And I know like Trevor's talked about this a lot in a lot of his interviews and uh, kind of about the subject over the past few months. And I really agree. And it's that the, the unfortunate part is the Astros, you can't take away from the fact that they had some of you know, the best and the brightest working for them. And, you know, in terms of their analytics and their development, um, you know, system, it, it was one of the best in baseball, if not the best in baseball. And the problem is, is that this whole cheating thing almost made everyone just say, okay, just kidding. We gave the Astros all this credit and everyone was like, how are they doing what they're doing? You know, and they're so advanced analytically and all this stuff. And then everyone's like, nah, just kidding. Like, I guess they they aren't like they were just cheaters all along. And the reality is like, yeah, they cheated, but also they are super advanced analytically. Like they do have an incredible player development system. And, you know, I hope that teams are still striving to go in that direction rather than, because for a while everyone was almost trying to emulate the Astros and like, how do we get to be more like the Astros, you know, in terms of our, player development and you know it kind of tainted it when you had this scandal um but but i think there was still something there with the astros um and you know they yeah they they cheated they went too far and that was probably had to do with some of the egos that were you know running running their whole organization but but yeah i think there's a lot of cheating going on and you know, there's no, there were no clear lines. And when there aren't any clear lines as to what you can do and what you can't, and even sometimes when there are clear lines, but it's not enforced, then 
you know, people will go to pretty extreme lengths to win. You know, last thing for me is I'm I'm wondering whether or not we're going to have a juiced ball again. Because it was obviously yeah. good, but people love the home runs. I almost feel like they have to have a juice ball, don't they, at this point to get to, to keep fans engaged after the one week that they're on the stage by themselves is up, which, by the way, was a complete travisham mockery. They should have been playing yeah. now for two weeks already, and they would have had the, the eyes of the country on them. Anyways, yeah, juice balls, Agreed. yes or no? Yes, I, do it. Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason – before we had, uh, you know, obviously the steroid era really with the home runs helped save baseball after the strike, um, you know, and then look now suddenly somehow the balls are flying way further than they ever did. You know, baseball claims baseball's a multi-billion dollar industry. Like you're telling me that they don't know why their baseballs are flying more than they are. Like they know what's happening or they just don't want to like look into it but yeah like they want to see them fly further and they they're juicing them and whatever people like home runs so yeah it's not going away i don't think no it's gonna be just fun all right rachel thank you so much for joining us today we really did appreciate it luba llc so at agent rachel luba on twitter she's got the corked up podcast with uh, jessica klein schmidt and uh, that's anything else that we need to do that we need to to ask you about as far as things that you're doing. It seems like you're kind of busy. Uh, I think you guys covered everything. Good. All right. Wonderful. Spader, why don't All you right. say goodbye? I just wrapped it. You just need to say goodbye now. You can do this. Rachel, thanks a lot. I really appreciate the time. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Later on. You got to take care All again. Right. Rachel Luba, MLB player agent with uh, which for Trevor Bauer. Hey, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this big UFC fight we got coming up. Check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, Premier League. If you can't wait for your team to come back, Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, league championships. Check out our daily simulations, Madden and NBA 2K. Watch that. You can wager on it. And visit betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to, re- to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. That was fun, man. Good get. Congratulations to you. Yeah, uh, I I'm I think I'm uh, I I was made to be a producer maybe and um yep. obviously I can't even sign off on a fucking show and <laughs> no I thought you did a great job with that no. that was a ter- that was terrific because I really wasn't sure which way it was gonna go it's like all right she represents Bauer but she knows all about baseball she had to go through some stuff being a female agent so that was a good get by you congratulations uh, that being said. Leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. Just do it. Say whatever. You could say mean things about us. Just give us a five-star review. That would be great. Uh, Follow Spader on Twitter at The Ace of Spader. I'm at Holden Radio, and we'll catch you next week. 